Good morning. I'm so excited to be able to come to you this morning virtually. And today is actually a pretty special day for the whole IHOP Newbridge family. It's been two years since we merged and became one. Of course, Newbridge Church was the merger of an independent Baptist and an Assemblies of God church. And then about two and a half years ago, the Lord started speaking to all of us, the leaders, Jeff and, and Dustin and myself, about joining Newbridge and IHOP Atlanta together. And today is our two-year anniversary, really yesterday. But we've been together for two years, and this has been a dynamic kingdom work, what God's done in merging the local church and the house of prayer. And, and so just for those that may be un, unfamiliar with it, we're actually a church family of about 1,100 people that's rooted in night and day worship and prayer that takes place 24 hours a day live from our prayer room. And, and it hasn't stopped during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. We've continued to keep the fire of live worship and prayer going. And we have outreach from our neighborhoods to the nations. And what that means is that we have house churches all over, some 25 or so, 23 house churches that meet. And currently they're all meeting virtually. And then we have missions bases around the nations of the earth, some six different missions bases that do night and day prayer and outreach. And in some of the places, it's the hardest and darkest locations of the earth where we can't even say the, the name of the place. And so I'm just wanting to just give the Lord a great thank you right now for what he's done in the merging of our ministries because we could never have seen where God was taking things, uh, only if he had revealed it to us specifically, prophetically. But what we've become as a spiritual family is, it's really stunning. And my heart personally is is captivated with the leadership of the Lord because these are not things that I expected he would do. None of us in our leadership environment expected it. And things have gone amazing because his grace has been so, so present and available. So I just want to thank the Lord for that. And I'm going to, this morning, preach a message. We're going to start a, a, a short series about how we need to position our hearts and how we need to live in light of this, this momentary uh, affliction, this COVID-19 pandemic. And so uh, I'm going to start this series called How Then Shall We Live? And I just want to invite you to pray with me just for a moment as we open our hearts to the word. So Lord, we love you. And I, I just want to thank you, Jesus, for what you've done with the, the merge. We, we are just continually blown away by your grace and how you've caused us to become one, the house of prayer, the local church, one reality, a missions base with missions bases all over the earth. We couldn't have seen it, but you have led us to this and we are grateful. Now, Lord, I am asking for your presence to rest right now on all of us, everyone that's connecting virtually, all of us here, that your spirit would rest on us and that you would release the spirit of revelation on every person. I ask for help for me to declare the word of the Lord. I don't want to just preach another message. I'm asking that you would grant me to speak a word from the Lord right now. And I pray for every heart to be open, every mind to be attentive, every life to be receptive to what the spirit of the Lord is saying. And Lord, I pray, hold my hand and let me speak 
as an oracle of what it is you're saying, what you're doing right now in this hour. And Lord, we love you. We humble ourselves before you. We give you all of our worship. Thank you for speaking to us from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Well, I want to speak to you pastorally this morning, but I also want to speak to you prophetically. I want to begin to get our minds thinking about the broader thoughts, the bigger picture of what God's doing right now. Because we are in an unprecedented time in our lifetimes. No one that's alive right now has seen anything like what we're going through. And I know we're five weeks into this. You're probably beginning to settle, hopefully, into a rhythm of some sort. Things are maybe normalizing for you. And and here's the challenge, that we get normalized in this moment, and all we can think about is, let's just get out of this moment. Let's just get out of this moment. And I would tell you, there's much more the Lord wants us to take away from what's happening right now than, let's get out of this moment, or Let's get a really good video ministry going. He, he wants much more. And he's doing and saying much more than that. And, and so I want to humbly submit things that I feel like the Lord's impressed upon me. I've been dialoguing and praying with other leaders around the nation almost continuously throughout this entire time. I want to give some reflections on things that I've heard others speak that I felt like rung true from the heart of the Lord. And so uh, I want to speak into this moment, and and I think it's just critical right now for us to to hear the word of the Lord and to begin to act on what the Lord is saying. And so I'm prayerful that that what I'm going to offer today is a word from his heart. So this series is called, How Then Shall We Live? And right at the front, I just want to say this, we need to ask some important questions and we need to answer some important questions. And, and really, the only way we're going to be able to do that is, is by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. But in your notes, which you can find on prayermissionschurch.com, right there in the middle of the homepage, prayermissionschurch.com, you can get the notes. In the notes, I have four questions that's kind of kind of frame out what we're going to talk on the next few weeks. The first one is, what is God doing? God's doing something right now. What is He doing? You know, I, I confessed a few weeks ago, I, I woke up and I'd been quarantined in my home and one of my children had some, some symptoms, thank God, he didn't have uh, the, the virus. And, uh, and there we were, we were kind of all stuck, just short of, sort of shut up at home. And I, I literally, I woke up that morning and I said, Lord, this is the day that you have made, like what are you doing? And I just felt that little impression of the Holy Spirit right on my heart, just what am I doing, son? And this is a real question we need to ask. We need to be thoughtful, and we need to consider what is God doing right now? Well, we need to also ask, what do we need to receive from God right now? He wants to put something into the heart of his people. He wants to put something into us individually. He wants to put something into us corporately. There's things the Lord wants to do in this time and imparting to the church that we need to connect to. Well, thirdly, We need to ask the Lord, what does he want to receive from us? What is he asking us for? There's many, many times when the Lord says, hey, what's in your hand? Is that a rod, Moses? Let me me have that rod. Is that loaves and fishes, young man? Give me those loaves and fishes. 
And so often when God's asking us for what's in our hand, we, we feel like he's taken our security from us only to realize later that he took what we thought was precious and he turned it into something powerful. And I, and I think sometimes there's things we have to give him that we don't really need. We don't, it's not helping us. And then there's certain things that we need to give him that he's asking for that he's going to change our reality with, just like he did with Moses, just like he did with that young man with the loaves and fishes. We need to ask the Lord, what are, you, what are you wanting to receive from us right now? What is it? What are you speaking that you, you want me to hand over? Some of it, it's to lay at the cross. Some of it's to give to God that he wants to give it back to us. And then finally, the question of this series, how shall we live now? And how shall we live when this quarantine is over? We need to really be connecting to that. Don't get yourself in this mind right now like, I've just got to pass the time. I just want to get out of this quarantine and I can't wait to go back to, you know, just everything's going to go back to normal. Beloved, it's not going to go back to normal. Things are going to change. They're going to change dramatically. And if we're just trying to get out of this moment and we're not thinking about how shall we live right now and how does God want us to live moving forward, we're missing a a dramatic moment that the Lord has set up for us. I want to say this to you. Let's not waste a pandemic over trying to get our momentary fix on our own pleasure and our own comforts. Let's not waste this whole pandemic just trying to get out of it. Let's ask the Lord, what are you speaking? What are you saying? What are you wanting to put into me? What are you wanting to get out of me? And how do you want me to live? Okay, amen. So let's just begin to walk through this a little bit. What is God doing right now? Now, there's always different components going on when we're experiencing some kind of uh, judgment, some kind of attack, some kind of, you know, disruption of this nature. There's always multiple components. There's the activity of God. There's the, the direction of God. There's the allowance of God. There's the attack of the enemy. There's the rage of Satan. There, there's the, the wickedness of humanity, the, 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 the fullness of sin that's coming to a ripened place. And then there's the groan of creation. There's, there's four components in any of these crises. And, and I want to specifically just look at God's component right now. I, I don't really care about looking at what the devil's doing. I want to look at God right now. And I want to say, what are you doing, God? Well, I, I've got a few thoughts. I've got at least four things I believe God's doing right now. And, and I don't want to act like I'm the big man with with all the answers, I'm just not. I've been praying and really wrestling in prayer and asking the Lord, what are you doing? I've been listening to others, trying to hear what sounds like the Spirit of the Lord. So I want to humbly submit what I feel like I see God doing. Well, first thing I see him doing is this. He's making war on darkness. God's always judging darkness. He's always coming against darkness, wherever it exists, in the society, in the governments of the earth, in the hearts of men, the the operation of the Spirit of the Lord is He's always moving in power, judging the enemy's activity. God's clearly doing that right now. Now, something I've had to come to grips with over the years is that God is equally committed to judging darkness in the world, wherever it exists, He's equally committed to judging that kind of darkness as he is to judging darkness inside the church. 
When we see Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we see the Lord speaking directly to the church about areas of darkness in the church that he wants to judge. And so when Satan's agenda is running wild in the earth, God's moving against that with power. But when Satan's agenda is actually found in the heart of the people of God, God is going to move against that with power. He's equally as committed to judging darkness outside the church as he is to judging darkness inside the church. And so then to make this personal, I've had to, con- I've had to come to grips with this over the years. That when, ju- when God's uh, looking at my heart and he's seeing darkness in my own heart, he is committed to dealing with the darkness inside of me just as much as he's committed to dealing with the darkness outside of me. He has no problem disrupting me to show me my insufficiencies. He has no problem throwing me off to show me what needs to get rooted out of me. And some of the things I just put in the notes over the years at this time too, God's dealt with me on on my own intoxication with the world, my, my own spiritual shallowness, my dependence upon entertainment, my, my entitlement mentality, my lusts, uh, my misplaced trust in, in human systems of government and, and finance. He doesn't have a problem disrupting all of us to root out anything in us that's not like him, that's not like his kingdom, that's not the light of God burning brightly in us. And, and, and the reason why he's doing that Why is he at war with darkness? Well, one, he's avenging his people. He's judging sin. But another point as it relates to us is he's readying us to partner with his son. He's readying us to be a comparable bride for Jesus. He's not, Jesus isn't going to come back for a church that's sort of, you know, half in, half out, got a few shady areas, and that's just how it is. No, no, no. He's coming back for a pure and spotless bride, which means the Father, who is a glad worker, he's always working and he's full of joy. He's working on our hearts to root out darkness so that we can be a comparable partner for Jesus. So, after making war on darkness, he's shaking Everything that can be shaken. That, that would be the second thing I think that God's doing right now. He's shaking everything that can be shaken. Now, I, I just want you to catch this. The Lord has promised that a part of his plan to wrap up this age is to shake all the human systems of the earth. He's going to shake everything that can be shaken so that only the things that cannot be shaken will remain. He makes this really, really clear in Haggai chapter 2 and also in Hebrews chapter 12. And so he is going to shake everything that can be shaken to leave only those things that cannot be shaken so he can install his son as king over the nations. Now look at this passage in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26. But now he is promised, saying, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Now, this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom 
which cannot be shaken. Just get your mind around that. The saints are going to step in to the kingdom of God. We, are, we have a, a, a component to play in partnering with Jesus in the kingdom since we are going to receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. And here's the point that he's making with that passage is he's inviting his people to partner with him in the shakings so that we can partner with him in the leadership of his kingdom. I want to say that again to you. God invites his people to partner with him in the shakings so that we can partner with him in the leadership of his kingdom. When the Lord Jesus returns and he sets up his throne in Jerusalem, there's multiple passages, which I've put there in the notes, that describe how the saints from this age will rule and reign with Jesus on the earth. We partner with him now unto the birthing of the fullness of the kingdom of God on the earth, and we partner with him then in the leadership of the kingdom of God. This is a critical thought, beloved. I need you to get out of the mindset of, I just want to get past this. I just want to get past this. No, 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 no. I want you to think about how can I engage with the heart of Jesus, with the heart of the Father right now to see his purposes come to pass in the earth now so that I can partner with him in the day that the Lord returns and in the leadership of his kingdom in the next age. That's where it's going. And so the Lord's part of his plan to see all these things happen is he's going to shake everything. He's going to shake the earth. Isaiah said this, that the earth will reel and totter like a drunken man. And so when we say more things like this are going to happen, that's not because we're just doom and gloomers. No, that's because the Bible explains all the signs of the end of the age, these massive shakings that will take place unto a time of great tribulation that's going to rock the earth. At that same time, there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like the earth has never seen. The point is, the Lord's not trying to do this by himself. He doesn't want these things to happen in a vacuum. He wants it to happen in partnership with his people. So he's going to shake everything. It's up to you and I to engage with his leadership, to say, okay, Lord, you're going to shake everything. I want to pray into the shaking. I want to pray into what you're doing. I want to partner with you now in intercession. And I want to agree with you through the time that you release judgments unto the fullness of the birthing of your kingdom so I can, I can lead and reign with you in that day, just like the scripture says. All right, thirdly, what's he doing? Well, this is probably not going to be that popular, but it's absolutely biblical and I believe it's absolutely true. And, I, and, and it's so tender to me it's meaningful to me. What's God doing right now? I think thirdly, he's judging his people. He's making war on darkness. He's shaking everything that can be shaken. But God is judging the church. He truly is. He shut us down because he's investigating us. Now, a lot of times people think judgment, it only means these negative things. It only means like the wrath of God. And I would say the wrath of God is one component of his judgment, but there are redemptive judgments and there are what the Bible talks about, positive judgments where God's acting on behalf of the saints. 
But look at 1 Corinthians 11, 32. This is what I'm talking about when I'm saying God is judging his people. He says, but when we are judged, hear this, when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. That's, that means corrected. We are corrected by the Lord. That we may not be condemned with the world. What a critical, critical thought. Now, I know so many people have all these thoughts about God. Well, he's a good God. He would never do anything hard or, or difficult. He would never judge. No, that's completely false. God judges his people in discipline because he's fighting for us. It's the parent who disciplines their child at home so that when they go into society or they go into school, they don't run amok and get in trouble with the teachers or worse, get in trouble with the law. You discipline at home privately so that it, it manifests publicly. This is what God says. He goes, I'm going to judge my own people because I want to correct you so that you don't get the condemnation that the world is going to get. Now look at Hebrews 12 verse 5, another passage that we really have to drink down. And this is so tender and so good of the Lord. His, his correction is so kind. It says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Another passage says it, he scourges every son whom he delights in. Now listen. The correction of the Lord is not the rejection of the Lord. The correction of the Lord is an evidence of his tender care and love for his people. When God corrects us, it legitimizes our sonship. The writer of Hebrews would go on to say that if we are without correction, we are not his children. So when the Lord's judging his people and correcting us, he's doing it because he loves us. His judgment towards the church is always discipline. He judges the church by disciplining us, and it's always redemptive, and it's always motivated by love. This is such a critical, critical thought, and I know so many people have bad experiences with being corrected, with being rejected by parents and father figures, and have many have experienced abuse, and they just can't imagine God in any kind of a way doing anything where he would bring a chastening to his own children. And I would just tell you, that's a wrong image of God. Listen, because he's good, he will not allow you to go on doing things that are false, improper, half-hearted, compromised. He is going to address those and correct you because he's good, because he loves you. And this is such a beautiful thing to understand that if the Lord is judging us, if he is stopping us in our tracks to, to make us reassess how we're living right now. He's doing it 
because he's kind. He's doing it because he cares. He's doing it because he loves us. And I would just encourage you, ask the Lord for his kind corrections on your life. Seriously, ask him to speak to you, to, to, to deal with you, and to correct you in ways now and judge you in ways now so that you're not judged at another day, in another time, at the judgment seat of Christ maybe. His judgment is his love. You have to catch that. That's what I believe God's doing right now. He's judging the church. And then the fourth thing I think the Lord's doing is God's speaking. And, and, and honestly, for me right now, he's, he's whispering. He's, uh, he, he's, he's not shouting to me right now. He's, he's whispering. He's giving me little impressions. He, he's correcting me, so I'll reevaluate. He's correcting the church right now and disciplining us, so we'll reevaluate how we relate to him, how, how we relate to one another, what we're actually doing with our, our things. But when he's speaking right now, for me, he's not shouting. He's whispering. And I've got a few things that I, I feel like he's impressed upon me. I'm just going to cover these in the rest of our time. He's speaking slash whispering a few things. First thing I th- I'm, I'm clear, I, I really believe that he's saying this, is he's saying slow down. Slow down. And at the beginning of this year, the Lord told me, he said, go low and go slow. Go low and go slow. And, and I believe that's what he's saying right now to us. He's saying slow down. This is a moment for a couple things. It's a moment to rest. He's bringing us to a a time of rest. He's bringing us to a time of of slowing our pace. Some of us, we need a bit of a Sabbath rest. And there's a component of of, of that happening right now, that there is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. But he's slowing us down so we can take inventory of how we spend our time. There's a whole bunch of stuff you're not able to do right now, and it's a perfect time to assess how you've been spending your time, thinking about what you do, how you, how you recreate, how you entertain, how you do life. What are you busied about almost all the time? What are you in a hurry about? How are you doing ministry? I, I think right now is the best time for the church to think about how, how have we been doing ministry? I, I'm, I'm convicted on something. If how we've been doing ministry is so effective, why do our cities remain untransformed why does revival continue to tarry? Why do we continue to, to look very, very similar to the world? If, if how our ministry has been going is so effective, where's the breakthrough? Where's the power of God on display? Where, where is the, the massive reformation? Where is the revival? I think this is a time for us to take inventory. He's slowing us down to help us remove the non-essentials so that we can practice what's precious. And I think, unfortunately, as you get going, you get moving, you get doing life, you start grabbing all these non-essential things, they start clinging onto you, they start taking your attention. And, and, and what the Lord is doing right now is he's saying, whoa, stop all of it. Let's boil this down to the, the, the most necessary things, the most essential things. Now, do what's precious. Read the word. Fast. Pray. Serve. Give. Share the gospel. Humble yourself. Repent. Go low. Go slow. Wait. Hear my voice. 
I'm convinced that much of our hurry and our worry is because we spend our strength on things that do not matter. If we would slow down, hear what the Spirit is saying to us, not just during this crisis, but, but moving forward, make this a normative way that we live, we would abide in his presence. We would abide in his peace. No matter what's happening, no matter what's exploding, we'd abide in his presence, abide in his peace, and we would see the power of God break out through the church. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine this week, and, and he, said, he said, there's this quote from Macbeth that's just on my mind. Now, I'm not, I, I, I could have acted like uh, that I know Macbeth, I don't. But my friend said it to me, and it hit something in me, and so I thought I'd just share it. He said, he goes, this quote from Macbeth written by Shakespeare, he said, there's something about it. He said, uh, uh, he goes, we're full of sound and fury, but signifying nothing. And sometimes I feel like that's our collective experience that we've got so much Christian activity in the West, so much suffering going, and, and it's just almost, there's no outcome of it. There's no real kingdom effect. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not dogging out the church or something like that. I'm not saying that the church never does anything good or nobody ever gets it. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that there is a heavenly effectiveness that we have yet to tap in, and God wants us to slow down for it. He wants us to slow down. He wants us to protect what's precious. He wants us to get rid of the things that are non-essential. Uh, Caleb Andrews, one of our missionaries in, in Africa, he wrote this song, So What If I... And, and, and in the song, the, the, uh, the quote, the, the line says this. He goes, I'm building fences around the precious, and I'm breaking covenant with the worthless. That is a word right now. Ask the Lord, what are the precious things you need to build fences around to, to hold dear and protect? And then ask him, what are the worthless things that you've committed to that you can just break covenant with? Like, really, what are they? He's slowing you down so you can make those hard decisions. He's slowing me down. So number one thing that I think he's saying is slow down. Rest, take inventory, slow down. Second, he's saying, bow down. Psalm 2, Psalm 95 talks about humbling ourselves, bowing low before Jesus. And again, I'm not up here trying to point a finger at anyone else. I'm looking at my own life. I'm looking at our own spiritual family. And rather than pointing a finger at everybody else, unbelievers and, and all this stuff, listen, no, no, I need to bow down. We need to bow down, bow low before the Lord. Look to ourselves. Ask the Lord, what are the wicked ways in me? Search me, know me, test me, try me, show me any evil ways in me. I want to humble myself before you right now, and I want you to expose me so that I can change, so I can be different, so I can be more like you, more conformed to your image. Lord, help us to humble ourselves. Everybody wants to rush to have a word. Everybody wants to rush. Let's all rush and get our media ministries, get on social media, get all, all our platforms out there. Look, we need to get low right now. This is a moment to come and get low before the Lord. And I want to encourage you in your prayer time this week, wherever you, you spend your time with the Lord, uh, you need to bow down before the Lord. Get on your face. Humble yourself. Ask the Lord to deal with you and show you, expose any areas that need to get changed and, and really humbly submit that to the Lord. Thirdly, slow down is first, bow down is second, 
Thirdly, look up. Look up. And, and, and here's the thing. Instead of looking to human answers, uh, I feel like the Lord is just saying this to me. Give me your eyes. Give me your eyes. Look at me. Look at me. Don't look to the right or the left. Give me your eyes. Right here, right here, look right here. And, and what, I, what I feel like the Lord's doing with me is he's, he, he's actually visiting me the most right now when I will just sit before him with no agenda, no prayer list, no intercession. You know, I'm, I'm doing intercession and I'm praying a prayer list, but, but when I'm feeling the wind right now, it's not my sermon preparation or my intercessions as much. I'm feeling the wind the most right now when I'm sitting before the Lord with no agenda and just looking at him. And the image that I have in my heart is a, a little child. You know, children will get, they will get over uh, stimulated sometimes and they'll, they'll just start having a meltdown. And, 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 and some of you, you've, you're doing that quarantine life right now and you're doing meltdowns and, and you know what I'm talking about. And you got little kids in the house and they're bouncing off the walls like, you know, like a pinball machine. But there's sometimes when I, and I can remember when my, when my kids were little, there's sometimes they'd be having a meltdown. I would just scoop them up. And if I could just get them to look at me, just get them to get their eye contact. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Here I am, here I am. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Sometimes that would just bring that settling over their soul. Nothing had changed, but just them looking into the father's eyes and hearing it's okay. And beloved, I'm convinced that's what we need right now. We need to look up. Don't, don't sit there and just read and watch all the news. <laughs> like, just don't. Like, get the main headline and then move on. But here's what I, I really want to encourage you to do. Look up at Jesus. You're going to slow down, you're going to bow down, and then you're going to make eye contact. Make eye contact and let the peace that he is, he's the Prince of Peace, let that fill your soul. So rather than the hectic, the frantic, the running, the, the you, know, you know, worry, the hurry, let him fill your soul with peace. And in the midst of this storm, we can make eye contact with God and it will settle our heart. And that's what I've found. That's where I have found the greatest moments so far in these last four or five weeks is that place of just blocking it all out, getting rid of the device, the phone, putting it all away and just staring at him and just no agenda, just sitting before him and looking at him and the peace of God that passes all understanding filling my heart and mind. Matthew 6 says this, that the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. And there's something about that, making eye contact, staring at him. Listen, listen, hear me. Don't just hear me say this is what I'm doing. Do this. We, we've got to get past, I'm hearing another good word. Oh, that was a good word, brother. I appreciated that good word. We've, that has got to be something of the past where we hear a word and we don't do it. That cannot be how we live moving forward. You're hearing me right now. You're listening to this. Don't hear the word and then just don't do it. No, do it this week. Slow yourself down, bow yourself down, and then look up. Spend time with the Lord. Allow him to settle your soul. All right, next I feel like the Lord is saying, huddle up, huddle up. I had to search for that, but I, I, I wanted to do the preacher thing a little bit today. Down, down, up, up, up. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. So huddle up. 
And what does that mean? That I believe this is a time for us to form bonds of relationship more than we ever have in the past. My son, they, I mean, my kids, they instruct me all the time. If you're a parent, I hope you listen to your, your kids because they're so full of wisdom. They have so many insights. But my, my youngest son, he said to me, he goes, Dad, this has been the easiest time for me to make friends. I go, really? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, everybody wants friends right now. I was like, that is amazing. He goes, yeah. He goes, I've got more friendship interactions happening right now than I've ever had before, and we can't even meet. And they're using, you know, online, Marco Polo. They're using Zoom calls. They're doing all these things. And he goes, but the thing that I realize is we have to be intentional. If we don't try, then it won't happen. But when we try, it's, he goes, it's amazing. Because I'm making friendships right now that are deeper. They're more, um, the, the, the content that we're talking about is more rich than I ever did before when we had access. And this is what I believe the Lord is saying. I think he's saying it's time for us to build authentic relationships in community. And the only way you can do that right now is by being intentional. You actually have to make the steps. You have to make the call. You actually have to reach out. You, you actually have to do the house church. You have to make those intentional steps. And then you got to move it past, you good? I'm good. Good. You have to say, man, how's your heart really? How can I pray for you? What's going on? How can I serve you? Is there anything that you have need of right now? And then in that reality, we become the body. And so here's what my real prayer is, is that there would be a a depth of us huddling up right now. There would be a depth. And that when we come out of this time of quarantine, that we would never take it for granted again. And we would never take it lightly again that we get to be with one another. That the body gets to come together. And and that there would be such a shift that could take place right now into authentic love and authentic community that we'd have such gratitude, such love for the body, such willingness to serve and connect. I'm, I'm really believing God that right now we don't lose this opportunity, but we huddle up and it moves from where we are right now into a a multiplied experience when we're able to, to come together again. Well, next I believe the Lord is saying, change it up. Huddle up, and now he's saying, change it up. And, and what is that talking about? That's talking about the way we think. The way we think about Christianity. The way we think about Western church. The way we think about our lives. What are we doing? What our paradigm is about what we're living for. I want to say this really clearly. We cannot continue to live for our temporal comfort and our personal pleasure as the main focus of our lives above everything else. As one who's been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have to shift our paradigm. He died for all that they which live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. If, we're, if our whole mentality of Christianity is that we think the main point is to get more natural blessings, more temporal comfort, more something that serves us, then we have completely got the wrong idea of Christianity. Christianity is about living 
for God's glory, his desire to glorify his son. Now, I've heard the sentiment, I've said this sentiment, that we can't go back to business as usual. And, and, and when this thing is lifted, that things have to change. I believe that's correct. I do believe things must change. But, but this is the thing. The first thing that must change is how we think. Our paradigm of what we're living for. I, I mean, can you imagine if the whole church right now would just stop in her tracks and say, you know what? I'm no longer living for my comfort, my pleasure, my preference above everything else. I'm living for the glory of God and everything else serves that. And that, beloved, is when we would get in line with the Father's desires and the Father's dreams. The progress of the kingdom is not about us. It's not about our personal blessings. The point of the kingdom is ultimately that every knee will bow to the Lord Jesus. And so we find ourselves in that story, and that's where we experience the greatest pleasure, the greatest love, the greatest life, the greatest glory, is giving our strength to the glory of God. That's where our lives take on the greatest meaning. But as long as we continue to live for self, and, and, and you know what? We would never say that on a test. You would never say, I'm living for self. But as, as long as we're thinking firstly about my preference, my blessing, my provision, everything that I want, everything that I need, and we're thinking about our Christianity serving that, we have completely got the thing upside down. See, if, if the glory of Jesus is first, then pleasure, preference, whatever that I want, whatever I need, that takes a back seat to Jesus being glorified. And that's, beloved, the big change that has to happen here. Change it up. Change the way you think. Change what this life is about in your mind. Change it so that our purpose and our focus is Jesus, his glory. And in the notes, I just put this, ask the Lord, ask him this question. How can I engage with your purposes in every area of my life? What are your purposes in every area of my life? How can I engage with them? How is it with my family, with my friends? What's your purposes in my job, in ministry, in the kingdom? How do I engage with your purposes in all of these areas? That's the question we have to ask. As long as we're thinking about my dream, my destiny, destiny, my purpose, my preference, my blessing, those things go first and God's purposes go second. And beloved, we have to shift that around. And lastly, I'm gonna just, just wrap up with this. I believe the Lord, he's, he's calling us to this time really to get our attention. He's calling us to slow down, to bow down, to look up, He's calling us to huddle up, to change up the way we think. And finally, I do believe this. The Lord's calling the church to rise up. He's calling us to rise up in faith. Like literally employ our faith in a way right now that maybe we're not used to. This is not a time to fold up. This is a time to rise up in faith. We don't give in to the attacks of the enemy. You see, God is sovereignly directing things, and at the same time, the enemy is attacking. So what do we do? We agree with God's sovereign leadership, and at the same time, we press against the attacks of the enemy. 
We don't give in to the attacks of the enemy. And so wherever sickness and disease is, is running rampant, we stand against that in faith. We say, no, 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 not in the name of Jesus. And we speak the word of faith. We speak prayers of faith. We speak prayers of healing. We, we contend for the promises. This is a time to fast, to pray, to seek the face of God, to study and speak the word, to believe God for breakthrough. You've never had a moment where everything had been cleared out like it is right now. This is a time to get in the word, to really see what the Bible says about divine healing. We're being attacked with a virus that's killing people. Let's see what the word says about healing and believe and be, begin to believe what the word says and, and to, to manifest our faith in that direction. This is a time that the church has to begin to, to really work those muscles of faith and belief for breakthrough. It's a time that while we're, while we're experiencing this negative thing, that we, we begin to lean in to the power of God and really, really believe for God to, to release power and breakthrough. And, I, and I'll just say, I, I don't really even care. I just want one person to get a breakthrough. I don't care who it is. It does not matter to me. But if just one person would really lean in right now, Get, a, get the fire of God on their life. It, it, would, it would shift so many things. If one person would break out of the, the current of this world right now and really get the fire of the Holy Spirit on them and get some ascendancy over sickness and disease, one, I, I don't care who it is. It could be, it could be an eight-year-old. I do not care. It would shift the way that the church is being looked at and the way that we're living. It would put real perspective on things that our God, he is, he is transcendent. He is above everything else and everything is subject to his name. I'm believing for a breakthrough. I'm believing. I was groaning this week in prayer, asking the Lord to grant a word from the Lord, asking the Lord to put power on the church to release the spirit of prophecy, to grant breakthrough, I want to encourage you, while we're bowing low, while we're slowing down, while we're looking up, while we're huddling up, I want to encourage you, while we're changing our minds and repenting, that we rise up. We believe God for a, a power to come on the church right now. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you right there in your home. I, I, listen, don't just be a spectator right now. Let's, let's engage together. I, I want to challenge you to take these things that I've shared to do them this week, to really engage with the Lord, to really take the time to give him your eyes, to humble yourself, to take inventory, and to contend, to reach out to others, I really want to encourage you to change the way you think about life. Like maybe take some time today with your family. Start walking through some of these points. And I want to, I really want to believe God together that we would see a breakthrough in power. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking for the visitation of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking for the fire of God to rest and reside on every single person hearing these words. I'm asking God for the, the power of the Holy Spirit 
the conviction of the Holy Spirit to break us out of just going with the flow, to break us out of hearing a word and, and not responding. God, to break us out of living for our own preference. To bring us to the place where Jesus has the preeminence and the purpose of his kingdom has ascendancy over every preference and purpose of our lives. God, I pray for a power of the Holy Spirit to descend, for fire to fall on the heart. Lord, and I'm asking for a breakthrough. A breakthrough. You bore stripes on your back. You didn't do it needlessly. It wasn't a show. It was to purchase healing for the redeemed. So I'm asking God, release power on the gospel. Release the power of the Holy Spirit. Grant a breakthrough in the area of healing. Pour out your spirit. Release revival, I ask. In Jesus' name.